Welcome to the Friday Night Ohio podcast, powered by Goodwill. The Goodwill Drive to Victory Donation Drive has combined for six and a half tons of donations so far. Hoover won the challenge in week seven, Jackson in week six. Each school earned a $250 scholarship. The Goodwill Drive to Victory returns in week nine, with Perry and McKinley taking part. Look for Goodwill trailers set up at each school throughout week nine to receive donations of clothes and housewares. We're going to break down a week eight of routes with maybe just one surprise Friday night for Stark County area teams. I'm Chris Bevan of the Canton Repository, along with Joe Scalzo, Mike Popovich, Jim Thomas, and Cliff Hickman from the Rep In Studio. And we'll be joined on the phone by Chris Easterling of the Maslin Independent in just a moment. 13 of 15 games by my count for Stark area teams were decided by three or more touchdowns tonight. So not a, a great night for competitive football. And obviously the headliner for that is uh, Maslin's 101-6 to win over Sun Valley from Pennsylvania. And Chris, uh, you know, a lot of people are going to question 101 points. Is that necessary? What, you saw it. What, what, what happened? Well, it was one of those games that kind of got our way out of the way, out of the out of hand, I guess, quick. It was, you know, it was only 17 nothing, you know, after one quarter, but then... <laughs> Maslin put up 56 in the second quarter to go up 73 to six at halftime, and then in the second half, you know, they, they were running the football, and to be honest, Sun Valley wasn't able to stop them, wasn't able to tackle them. You know, you look at time and possession, and Sun Valley had the football for 37 minutes compared to a little over 10 minutes for Maslin. Maslin only threw 11 passes, I think, total, but. You know, you have two pick sixes, you have a, a kickoff return for a touchdown, you have a punt return for a touchdown, you have obviously Jameer Thomas and Trayvon Morgan making big plays uh, on offense for for uh, for Maslin. You know, it's, just, it's sort of unfortunate, um, but, you know, I don't know how you – I mean, I guess there's ways, to, you know, short of taking knees – I mean, I, I don't. I, I've, you know, I've, I've been thinking about it a lot since the game ended. Just how how do you prevent something from happening when when there's just wide open holes and fifth string running backs are, are running, you know, untouched for touchdowns? One thing when I was reading your story that, that jumped out at me was the second half kickoff. Did, did they run a reverse on the second half kickoff? No, it was one of those. I, I think they. The kickoff went to Jaden Ballard, and he sort of handed it off to Tyree Broyles, like who was right next to him. Okay. And then Broyles ran it from there. You know, I, I think it's one of those a teammate wanted to to, to get a teammate a, a career, you know, career record, and you know, uh, you know, obviously, yeah. You know, we 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 can debate whether it's you know whether maybe backup even backup return guy should. Have been well, that's where I'm wondering why why you have Broyles out there to start the second half. I mean, plus plus you don't want to get guys hurt. Um, yeah, and, and I think this also begs the question of avoiding these games is just maybe scheduling wise. You know why? You know you maybe play a. I think uh, Joe, you're with us here with St. Ed's. You know maybe as somebody they could have played tonight. Well, yeah, I think I saw St. Ed's was playing someone from Canada tonight. So I think, you know, hey, you got Louisville next week, so it's not like you have another monster. So, you know, Chris, you know, when you talk about scheduling, I know they want to have as many home games as possible, you know, for yeah. lots of reasons. But is, it's, should this game have been scheduled? Uh, you know, I'm talking to, you know, the Sun Valley coach at the beginning of the week, you know, 
You know, the, the funny thing was, he, I got the sense from him that he knew his team was overmatched when he scheduled this game. You know, when you know when he took the game to Maslin and you know still took it and, and came out here and I, I you know, it, you know, it certainly is a legitimate question. But you know, they they were three and four coming into the game. You know, they had scored a lot of points actually. Uh, you know, they were averaging more than thirty five points a game coming into the game. They had a thousand yard rusher at running back. You know, they they had some nice players, but I, you know, again tonight. I mean, it certainly opens all those questions up, and, and, and you know, they're all legitimately fair questions. To hit their average, uh, you still would have lost if you had them plus 65, which is not a good sign. Um, you mentioned uh, in your story that uh, some Valley suffered some key injuries. I mean, did that was that a factor at all? Were those like their three best players that went down? Well, the, the one player went down when it was uh, – uh, suffered an injury. One player, it was a safety, suffered an injury in pregame warm-ups, and then they lost their, their best kid, got hurt actually, sort of uh, interestingly enough, on their lone touchdown. So, you know, it, which at that point it was 45-6, to six, so, you know, they, they were a small team. And, and again, kind of going back to Joe's question about scheduling, you know, uh, you know, you know. Do you, do you at some point as a coach have to look and say, does my team really match up against a team like Mass? Do we really need to take this game? And, and maybe you know that's a legitimate question. And you know, it's you know it's one that I'm sure maybe they're asking themselves. But uh, I know that was you know looking. You know, there were a lot of people that just sort of were shaking their heads after the game, kind of going, you know, this, you know, on, on all sides, kind of wondering, you know, was this really necessary? Yeah, I think that's the question a lot of people will have and just not a, I mean, you know, it's a win and a record set, obviously, for the Tigers, but not a, a, a great night for, for high school football when you have those types of scores. And, and we've seen that a lot. Lot the last couple of winners I I know in high school basketball with some really bad sectional results mm-hmm. where, where you have these mismatches those are tournament games so I guess they have to be played but you know maybe down the road we'll see what teams do with these types of games to to avoid you know I think we're used to the fifty four to nothings or jokingly in here we refer to the thirty five to nothing as the gentleman's route but uh, I don't know that we well, want to see a yeah, lot of I these mean, no I mean you know it's you know, half them I'm wondering. You know, maybe they come out. There, I mean, do they? You know, I, I, you know, I don't know if there's rules. Where I mean, do you, can, can you? You know, just basically say, look, we'll we'll call the varsity game at the half, and then let the you play the second half under a running clock. But but it basically be all JV. Right. I, I stop mean, the score. Scoreboard. You know, stop I mean. the score. You know, is there is there ways to? do that i mean can you shorten the clock i mean i don't know i mean they're all you know fair questions again i mean it's it's one of those things that you know i i know you know thinking back to week five when maslin played a, a firestone team that's really really been struggling uh you know i thought firestone actually did a great job of 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 managing their own loss so to speak because i thought they did a good job of Taking a lot of time, burning a lot of clock, even though they weren't gaining a lot of yards, they 
you know, they were sort of saving themselves. And, you know, it seemed like Sun Valley tonight was snapping the ball quick and, you know, trying to throw the ball a lot. And and I, I just I, – it was just – like I say, it's just one of those those nights where you just walk out of the stadium going, you know, and I know Nate Moore talking to Nate Moore after the game, he was you know, he was like, Look, we we really just want to move on to Louisville. We 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 really don't want to dwell on this any longer. I think even I, I could tell, you know, looking at you know, talking to a couple of Madison coaches afterwards that even they were not happy to see the way things went. Well, we will we'll take a cue from them and move on to Louisville as well. So we'll uh, we'll catch up with you probably next week, Chris, because uh, that will be a big game in Week Nine. Louisville been hot and uh, looking forward to its chance, I'm sure, against Maslin as it tries to stay in the uh, playoff race in their division. And the Tigers obviously looking really good in their region in Division Two. Thanks a lot, Chris, for coming on. We'll talk to you next week. All right, thanks a lot, fellas. The Akron Children's Hospital Game of the Week, powered by iHeartRadio, continues Friday, October 19th, when Louisville hosts Maslin. Kickoff, 7 p.m. Broadcast starts at 6.30 with the Old Carolina pregame show. FridayNightOhio.com is live streaming games for the first time this season. Sam Berkwin, Jeff Shreve, and Todd Porter provide the call each and every Friday night. And uh, we're going to bring in Mike Popovich right now, and hopefully Mike will move into the area code of his microphone. There we go. Mike uh, had the game of the night, I think, tonight. Sandy Valley, East Canton, 21-14. to The Cardinals win at home. And, Mike, it looked like it was an exciting ending with uh, Sandy Valley showing uh, some guts uh, to close it out. Yeah, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to take Brian Gamble to the casino with me next time <laughs> I go because he had – he – you know, not to pardon the pun, he gambled there at the end of the game, uh, Sandy Valley, deep in their own territory at their at their own 29-yard line, facing fourth and one, choosing to go for it, and Brendan Obadovich gets a nine-yard gain. Um, even more of a gamble when you consider that uh, on the previous possession, um, East Can drove from its own one deep into Sandy Valley territory and turned the ball over. So, you know, giving them a short field would have been a would have been a big gamble, but um, you know, just uh, it's the type of game I expected. You know, close game could go either way, and uh, you know, Sandy Valley, uh, you know, you know, takes a big step toward. And I didn't know this until tonight. They haven't won a league title in sixty-two years. That was the thing that jumped out when I was looking at your story tonight, Mike. Was I knew they had you know had a long drought, and and when they went to the playoffs the last. Uh, couple years ago was the first time they'd ever done that but i didn't realize that it had been so long since the, you know, the sandy valley program had won a league title that that is remarkable to to say what the you know what coach gamble has done and building on what it was already kind of in place there and kind of taking it up a notch well and he even mentioned that you know when you know they're deciding on whether or not they want to go for it on this play i mean it's a uh, you know, it's it was the players having a belief in themselves to want to do it i mean they practically talked them into talked him into doing it and um i don't know if at the beginning of last season you know that would have been the case for this team i mean it's it's still a it's still a really young team with you know players like cameron blair who's a sophomore at quarterback uh brady russell who made the uh who caught the go-ahead touchdown pass and made a decisive interception at the game um he's a sophomore i mean you know Maybe maybe they're too young to have pressure. Maybe that could be the case too, and that's why 
you know, they would be bold on, you know, deciding one, you know, to go to go for it at the end of the game like they did. What did you think of Cameron Blair tonight? I know he threw a couple of picks, which is very uncharacteristic, but it looked like he fought through that and probably a game where, unlike, you know, maybe where he's thrown for 400 yards and five touchdowns, he's going to grow more from this game where, where he had to, you know, face some adversity. Well, right, yeah, you mentioned it right there. I mean, you know, he's he hasn't had games like this all year, really. Uh, I came in having thrown only two interceptions all year and matches it in this game and is still able to to regroup and persevere. But, you know, having watched Sandy Valley for the first time this season tonight, um, you know, I could tell what I've heard. He really has some good tools to throw to players like uh, 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 Brody Kelly, who uh, who uh, took a uh, it was a short screen pass and he turned that into a long touchdown. And, uh, uh, you know, a couple of other receivers who are capable of doing the same thing. So um, it was a big hurdle for them to get over tonight. And uh, if they can uh, beat Buckeye Trail next week, they will. Uh, they will earn a share of the uh, the IVC North and and end that league title drought. How about East Canton looking ahead now? They probably are out of the league chase unless they get some help. But uh, I would still think they've got a good shot if they can win out to uh, to to maybe even host a playoff game. Right. Um, yeah. What they would need to have happen would uh, they would need Buckeye Trail to beat Sandy Valley next week, and then if East Canton beats. Buckeye Trail in the final regular season game. I think that would create a three-way, three-way tie for the IVC North. But I think when you know, if you look at postseason, um, I think it was. You know, I don't want to diminish this game for East Canton, obviously, but I think it was more imperative for Sandy Valley to win this game. You know, they were kind of hanging around that eighth or ninth position uh, in Division Five in their region. Um, I don't think East Canton's going to fall very far. Uh, I. Like you said, I think if they can get a win next week, uh, they'll and they'll be. Uh, I, I believe they face Strasburg next week. I think you're right. And uh, if they get a win against Buckeye Trail in their final regular season game, they can move back into the top four and and host the playoff games. So uh, I think uh, yeah, I think we'll be seeing both teams in in week eleven. Well, that was an exciting night of IVC football that uh, Mike Popovich was just talking about. We're going to go to the Fetter League right now, and I don't know the Lake fight song, but I'm thinking Joe might play it right now. I don't know. The uh, Lake Blue Streaks uh, showed uh, showed a lot of pride, I would imagine, beating Perry 26-24, to and that was easily the biggest surprise on a night with all these routes. And Joe, did you see that coming? You, you know, you've been talking to both coaches throughout the season. I guess maybe it shouldn't be a surprise. Keith Wakefield's been telling us for several weeks now his his team isn't doing what he wants it to be doing and had some question marks, and I guess it showed up tonight. Yeah, well, first of all, the, the Lake fight song is the same as everybody's. It's just Ohio State's oh, Okay, song, there you so. go. Um, yeah, I think I think we thought that... that uh, Lake was probably a little better than three and four. Some of that was just schedule related, um, but and I think we thought maybe Perry wasn't quite as good as a six and one team. But I, I don't know that I saw this coming, Chris. I, I think uh, even with the concerns that Perry had, they usually are, are good enough in the second half of the season um, to to beat the teams that that you know maybe aren't are, are at their level or even a little bit less talented. And so it's a little bit of a surprise to me. What, uh, from your understanding, you know, what, what do you think Lake did well tonight? 
Well, it seemed like they got Cameron Martin going, which, you know, they haven't been able to run the ball very well um, for the last couple weeks, and that's kind of what they like to do. Um, they're, they're a lot like Perry in that one, even though their offense is a little different. And, and they had a sophomore quarterback um, that came in, Jake Eccles, who, who I'm not sure the story about why Paul Troyer didn't play, but, you know, it was, I think it was his first start, and he, he threw for 130 yards and had a nice night. So, um, and then Ty Hunt, I think, had a big play and a punt return. So they kind of did those those things right, and, and uh, you know, good win for Lake. They're they're building towards probably a year or two down the road, and and now they got Glen Oak and Green to finish the season. So they they have a chance of, of finishing with a, a you know a, a winning record, and I think that would be a really positive thing for them. You know, having gone through the four game losing streak, Ty Hunt, a guy we probably should be talking about more. It seems mm-hmm. like every other week he has a special teams touchdown or a long catch. A ninety five yard punt return was what it, what it was tonight to to really help get Lake going. So a big win for the Blue Streaks maybe gives them a chance, as you point out, with what's coming up to kind of salvage the season and really finish on a strong note. The Goodwill Drive to Victory Donation Drive continues next week for Week 9 at Perry and McKinley High Schools. Each school will have a Goodwill trailer set up to receive donations of clothes and housewares throughout the week. The school with the most donations wins a $250 scholarship, Hoover and Lake were the participants in the drive a week ago. Jackson and Glen Oak kicked it off in week six. Hoover won this past week, and Jackson won the previous week. The drive has combined for six and a half tons of donations so far, so hopefully next week they can push it over the 10-ton mark. Staying with the Federal League, Joe, the game you were at, McKinley, Glen Oak, um, 34 nothing. Not much you can say there uh, <laughs> as far as the competitiveness. Um in in reading your story and the stuff that Curtis Elijah Curtis quarterback was talking about it seemed like McKinley did do what it wanted to do it stayed focused and got better this week yeah and and, and Glenock was competitive for a quarter you kind of see that in those types of games where it's a backyard rival there's a lot of emotion I think Glenock was probably excited to play this game but you know they're just not consistent enough they'll do a two or three good plays in a row and then they kind of run into some problems and and Braden Fox the sophomore uh, son of Derek Fox we got to start a quarterback tonight for for Glen Oak and he did some good things but he's not much of a passing threat and and so pretty soon McKinley figured that out and started just running a bunch of linebackers and DBs right at the ball as soon as it was snapped and it's just tough but yeah I mean McKinley looks looks good I'm not sure that the um, they looked as good as Maslin probably did, but um, you know, they're, they're heading into next week, they you know they owe Perry a little bit from the last couple of years. I know they'll be excited about that game, and and they can clinch their first outright Federal League title since I think 2013. So uh, good good night for the pups. Got Ross back too, so that's uh, never a bad thing. Yeah, Jalen Ross, big night. I think he had five catches for about 140 yards and and a, and a touchdown, and just. You know, him and Kyrie Woody just give them two really impressive receiver threats, and then you got Lemire Garrett in the backfield. So they're they're kind of a complete team, and and uh, again, you know, they're going to be facing a, a historic Maslin team in Week Ten. But I don't think uh, even if they lose that, they should, it should overshadow just how good they've gotten. Two other Federal League scores tonight: Hoover over Green, forty-two to thirteen; Jackson over Central Catholic, thirty-four to seven. That, of course, is a non-league game. But uh, no real surprises with Hoover and Jackson commanding wins. Uh, I think the thing that kind of stands out, though, again, is Hoover continues to take care of its business. We're not seeing any, at least on the scoreboard, slippage from them. They're they're really yeah. building on this. They're not getting caught in any type of trap games or, or taking steps backwards. They they look committed to really get everything they can out of this season. Yeah, we can't, we can't get 
spoiled here. We got our one Federal League surprise of the night. So, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I think you're right. I mean, I, I, I'm very impressed with Hoover. And, and the disappointing thing is that they're they're still on the outskirts of, of the playoff race in, in Division Two, Region Seven. So we like to see them jump up because they're a team that that frankly um I, I think can can hang with anybody in that region and, and can make a run i mean maslin's obviously the 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 class of that region but uh yeah it'll be interesting to see if they can get in and, and i think you know they got a tough game at bishop hartley next week they got jackson another tough game in week 10 so we'll see but they, you know some computer points on the line there but you probably have to win both to get in in, in region seven yeah, it's something you'd pointed out i think it was in the federal league notebook uh, on friday night ohio.com today uh, about the the way the region shuffled and then that region just became ridiculously challenging mm-hmm. and and then the one that uh hoban is in i believe got a lot weaker yeah yeah it was interesting i think lake's 17th in region seven and they would be eighth in region five which is the one that Ho- the hoban's in so that shows you how big of a difference there is and and that's just you know a couple teams left and and uh it's a good year for a lot of schools so um yeah, it'd be it'd be fun because it, it was a weak region the last couple of years. Hoover takes care of business these next two weeks. It, it would be a shame, and not just for that program, for really just football fans that you don't get to see a guy like Connor Ashby playing Week Eleven mm-hmm. as a sophomore, and, and you don't get to see the rest of those seniors who have worked real hard to get that program turned around, get that payoff. I saw Hoover the last two, or I saw Hoover last week against Lake, and they really dismantled Lake. So to see what Lake did against Perry tonight is really impressive. But Hoover, I've seen them twice, and they are by far the most entertaining team I've seen this year. Uh, their running game and Ashby, um, offensively, they're capable of putting up 40 every, every time they go out on the field. So, yeah, it would be a shame. If they didn't make the playoffs, this is Jim Thomas. <laughs> Thank you, just Jim case, jumping just out of nowhere. You, I am because he was over I, here counting his money earlier. I wasn't I was, sure what was going on, <laughs> and now he's back. Well, no, I wanted to say, uh, Dandy George. He was so disappointed in in his team's effort and in his effort after the loss to Hoover that I wanted to say that you know he must have done something, and his team responded uh, to come back the way they did tonight against Perry. So I was excited for for Lake the way they played, and then. And to see what Hoover did again tonight, uh, it's good to see. Good to see teams make steps like that. Staying with the the talk as far as teams, uh, you know, trying to fight for a playoff spot, we'll bring in Cliff Hickman here to talk about the EBC. And I think there's some teams in the EBC that are probably really nervous uh, heading into the stretch run, Cliff, to to keep their playoff hopes alive because not a lot of you know margin for error for Marlington and, and the top teams in that league. No, when you look at the uh, computer points, it's a pretty tough situation. It may come down to Marlington and Alliance where the winner gets in and wins the league and the loser gets absolutely nothing, goes home for the year. But uh, more of the same tonight. Marlington and Alliance uh, kept pace with each other. Marlington defeated Canton South 49-14. Quarterback C.J. Griner, uh, two rushing touchdowns, two passing touchdowns. Blaine Himmelheber with a punt return for a touchdown and a receiving touchdown. That was pretty much the story in that one. Alliance 21, Carrollton 0. The Alliance uh, running game has come on strong in the second half of the season, and it's part of the reason they're undefeated in the EBC right now. Noah Durst-Hawkins, two rushing touchdowns. DeMarco Brooks, a rushing touchdown, both over 100 yards. Uh, DeMarco Brooks was injured for the first part of the season. They're getting him back, and he has uh, come back and fit in pretty seamlessly. Different kind of back. Uh, Noah Durst-Hawkins, a bigger guy. Also, uh, sophomore quarterback Brandon Alexander, a bigger guy. This is a really fast uh 
smaller guy that uh, I've seen him play basketball. He's hard to catch, so it gives them a different look with him out there. Uh, probably the shock of the night in the EBC, West Holmes 30, West Branch 8. It is a non-league game because of the uh, odd number of teams. You have one of those every week. But uh, West Branch only had one loss going into that. That hurts them pretty bad. Uh, then you look at the final one, Salem 42, Minerva 14. 38 straight losses now for the Lions. And that is your look at the EBC, Chris. How much do you think uh, the EBC top two teams benefited from really challenging themselves the first couple of weeks of the season? It seems like Alliance and Marlington were the two teams that really, you know, tested themselves with their non-league schedule. And, and the way they're playing now, you got to believe it paid off for them. It absolutely has because you see with some of the other teams like West Branch had a really good record and then they go on the road for maybe a challenging game and when you haven't been playing that tough competition that can sneak up on you and it can get you you get into a tight situation maybe you don't know how to react and and things go south on you but uh, Marlington Alliance both battle tested both played Poland Uh, Canfield was on Alliance's schedule Hubbard's on Alliance's schedule it was was pretty rough the aviators were playing teams that were basically unbeaten with two losses at one point and the two losses were to alliance indian creek was another one of those teams on that list so it's been pretty tough so yeah it's going to be interesting it's kind of fitting it's those two teams looking like if they hold up next week it comes down to them at the end of the year it's pretty it's pretty nice actually to see the teams that played the tough competition get rewarded we're going to move over to the Pac-7 now and bring back gentleman Jim Thomas to, to talk about one of the one of the more odd games of the night, Manchester-Oroville. Oroville jumps out, I think it was a big lead, and then Manchester just dominates. Uh, Manchester probably played one of its worst games in years last week, and Northwest played one of its best in a 14-12 win. And um, Manchester was down 21 nothing early in the second quarter to the second team in its region, an Orville team that has more athletes than any team in the conference. Uh, Markel Parks for Orville, uh, sophomore running back, had three touch, had all three touchdowns. Um, Manchester easily could have just died then, down 21 nothing, coming off a tough loss. And they scored 37 points in the second quarter. Um, they just did what Manchester has done under Jim France for 40-some years. They ran the football. Ethan Wright and Hunter Foster both ran for more than 200 yards and four touchdowns apiece. So, I mean, I don't remember a game where our running backs have had two of them run for 200 yards and four touchdowns each in a game where you're talking the teams are ranked number two and four in the region. And... Uh, just an incredible effort by Manchester to come back and get that win, pull into a first-place tie. Uh, the Panthers have two really tough games left where Manchester does not – or, I mean, Northwest does not – not – Orville does not. Orville was looking for its first league title in like a dozen years. And uh, they'll have a shot at a share, but – Manchester's got to beat Loudonville and CVCA, which has given them a lot of trouble over the years. So if they can both win out and go eight and two, they'd finish six and one in the league. Um, Wright and Parks, uh, Parks now has thirty touchdowns on the year. Ethan Wright has twenty nine. They're both around fifteen hundred yards for the season, which is pretty incredible since we're only at, through week eight. 
Um, then you go to Northwest and Fairless. Northwest is really on a roll. Um, they're five and three now. They still have a shot. Let's say Manchester and Orville both lose a game. They got a shot for a share of a league title for the first time in Geez, six, seven years. Um, quarterback Luke Fennell continued to really excel. He had five touchdowns, four rushing. Um, he ran for 120 yards and four and threw a 26-yard touchdown pass to Tyler Marisic um, as they win their third in a row. Then you go to Tuslaw. Tuslaw beat Triway bad, 41-14. Um, it's their second win in a row. They're 4-4. Four and four. Doubled last year's win total under Mark Gulling. Um, Briar Marthy continues to excel in uh, Gulling's offense. He had another 200-yard game. And uh, they're playing really well with a chance to have a 500 or better season. Things getting interesting in the various leagues as we wind towards Week 10. This is the Week 8 Wrap Show from FridayNightOhio.com podcast. I want to remind you that the Akron Children's Hospital Game of the Week, powered by iHeartRadio for Friday, October 19th, is Maslin at Louisville. Broadcast starts at 6.30 with the Old Carolina pregame show. Thanks for downloading and listening to the Friday Night Ohio podcast, powered by Goodwill, a podcast from the Canton Repository Sports Department. The Goodwill Drive to Victory Donation Drive returns in Week 9 at Perry and McKinley High Schools after a week off. Each school will have a Goodwill trailer set up to receive donations of clothes and housewares throughout the week. The school with the most donations wins a $250 scholarship. Check back for another podcast Tuesday. For Chris Easterling, Jim Thomas, Cliff Hickman, Mike Popovich, and Joe Scalzo, I'm Chris Bevin. 